Welcome into 11 Personnel, Nick Roush and Adam Luckett. Here, thanks to our friends at Monticello Bank, our title sponsor here on 11 Personnel. We couldn't do it without them, and just like they couldn't do it without you. 128 years in service, and they can only be in service for that long because they care about people. It's where people matter. They'll go wherever you go, or you go to where they are. They have 21 branches in 14 different markets. You can download the GoNBC mobile app to bank at home on the road. Um, and you can also just visit them online at NBCBank.com for all your banking needs, whether you need a car loan, home loan, uh, whether you're looking to do some investing. I, just the, They'll take care of you. They will take care of you. Monticello Bank, Monticello Banking Company, where people matter. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, and makers of, look at, look at that hat, look at, see it there? Very it's nice. Good, it's a good-looking hat right good looking there. Good-looking cap. It's a good-looking cap right there. Um, I'm going to be rocking it. I know Monticello Bank is going to be around here because they've been around here for 128 years. I don't know if the Pac-12 is going to be around much longer or not, Lucky, because um, I, I appreciate the conversation that Ralph Russo had with our, our pal Andy Staples on 3 uh, Tuesday evening. It was on my podcast feed Wednesday morning. That's on the On3 YouTube channel. I know you've subscribed to both by now. Uh, but... They're basically gambling on a streaming service and they don't have guaranteed revenue. They do not have guaranteed revenue. I, I just don't I don't understand. They've been they've George Klievkov pushed all of his chips in on we're gonna have this D, TV deal, it's gonna keep the conference together. Don't worry, we're gonna have this TV deal. And then he doesn't have a TV deal, he has a streaming deal, and like it, I get it to an extent. But the craziest part of it all is it's not like a streaming deal plus. Like, it's not like you can do streaming plus Fox or streaming plus ABC. You know, like, it's just streaming. So if we wanted to watch uh, the Civil War or whatever they're calling Oregon, Oregon State, that's that would have to be on Apple TV plus. And without guaranteed revenue, it's mind-blowing that they're will- they would be willing to take a risk on selling subscriptions like uh, five extra bucks a month on top of your Apple TV Plus membership, they'd had to sell these subscriptions and that, at the risk of losing just exposure because you can't flip your channel no more to get it. It's it's just it's crazy crazy move by Klievkov. Maybe he should have stayed at the MGM. Yeah, just to unpack a little bit here. Pac-12. The, it's been leaked. Pete Thamel's reporting that they're going to sign a deal with Apple Plus. Like Nick alluded to, it's going to be. Based on how many subscriptions they sell. And there's a move for upward growth, but they don't know. It could be worth... It's starting lower than the Big 12. It could be worth more um, if they could. sell more subs. Yeah. But the but the Big 12 is based, bottom line, 31.7 per school. Uh, and this is not going to be that. Even if they did well, they might not hit the 31.7 yeah. mark, yeah. to my knowledge. So that's happening. Uh, a lot of being a college commissioner is you got to be a gangster in a suit. And Brett Yormark just pretty much beat Klyavkov to the punch by getting his deal done before Big 12 jumping ahead of the Pac-12 and getting pretty much in bed with ESPN. And doing so that, it, too, before the Big 12's deal was supposed to expire, which right. is even... <laughs> so I mean, you would have thought the Vegas guy would be a gangster, but no. He got his kneecaps busted anyway. He got the, the old... Um, what was the Godfather 2? The cousin? the um, oh. Fredo? Yeah, he got Klievkov's Fredo. 
I haven't seen Godfather 2 in a little bit. I need to watch, go back and watch that again. The uh, sad part is I've seen one, but I've only seen a little bit of two, and I know yeah, the Fredo I, reference. Like, I hate that I know what Fredo is two before is, finding out the the spin, you know, the it's twist. Very, it's very long, but it's a great movie. You, But you have to be willing to be locked in the entire time. I know, you can't, yeah. You know, now it's harder to watch. Now we're getting off tangent, but with the phones and stuff, it's harder to watch. When I... If you can just sit your phone down, you got the kids asleep or whatever, you can just got three hours to burn. It's a great movie. I mean, it's an awesome movie, but it's just having the time and the capacity to stay locked in for it. But anyway, like, all of that's happening. There's Arizona buzz that Arizona's going to follow Colorado. Mm-hmm. Get them to get the Pac-12 to 14 in 2024. Like, this is going to happen fast. Big 12 to 14, it, yeah. Yeah, Big 12 to 14. And then that leaves the Pac-12 with six, Eight? I think. It would be eight if it was only one left. Okay. But if Oregon and Washington are potentially poached. Yeah, but then, then the rumor is that San Diego State and SMU are already silently committed. They're going to come over. But to me, this is for realignment. Where we are right now is like the closest we've been to when the peak was like if Nick Texas is going to go to the Pac-12. It's going to become the Pac-16. What's yeah. SEC going to do? What's the Big Ten going to do? Where it was happening everywhere. ACC kind of absorbs a lot of the Big East back in 2011 or whatever that was. Yeah, this is yeah. the closest one because there's big names involved. And it seemed like Texas, Oklahoma started or made people think about it. And then, But when USC, UCLA moved last summer, about a year, I think the, it was a year ago last week was mm-hmm. when that happened. That's when I think a lot of other people are like, whoa, we got to do something. Florida State has talked about, oh. you just mentioned, Florida State's one of their, the head of the board of trustees or whatever, went on with Warchant oh. uh, in the On3 network. It was pretty much like that made us, we had to really start looking at things. And then we've got a whole. Oh, just a brief aside. I love that there was 13,000 people watching a board of trustees meeting today yeah. while they were approving the purchasing of used planes. But that, that people were locked in to watch just boring budgetary uh, yeah. expenditures and <laughs> acquisitions. That's how deep we are in a conference realignment. And then uh, finally, once they got through all of that, all different board members just were like, we're losing money here. Because that, that's yeah. really the ACC's pickle here is they have this – uh, the grant of rights, but they're basically just like thirty six, and it's and it's what is it like? Um, they got to pay like thirty million or something to leave if they did, um, and essentially they're like, well, if we pay thirty million to leave, how much is it going to cost us by losing fifteen million dollars every year for ten years or thirteen years or whatever? Like that's more right. costly. So that's kind of the pickle that these ACC schools are in right now. They pretty much are admitting that they can't, they just can't operate without because co- they mentioned coach contracts today, Nick. Mm-hmm. Mentioned NIL, all of this stuff. Like, there's only so much money available, right, for them. And if they don't have the revenue, they're just going to fall behind. They're going to fall behind Florida. Potentially, they can make, might be fall behind UCF, which is really <laughs> a troubling. That's crazy. If you're but- a Florida State supporter. But and then that, the, the people they're recruiting against, Auburn, Alabama some, I mentioned Florida, Georgia, and South Georgia, all of those, their main recruiting competition, they're just they're going to have more guns, and Florida State's going to show up with knives, pretty much. I, I, I love to, like, 
it's not that far fetched to think that U UCF could surpass them though, because that's that's mm-hmm. I mean that's happened before with other institutions, right? In the state of Florida, like there's a lot of talented kids there. It doesn't take much for one program to get hot. It would be very funny if Gus made them the space school, and that's right at the turn of when they became cool. Is when <laughs> Gus started dressing up like an astronaut. Yeah. yeah. Um, but my interesting thing with all of this is they're talking a lot, but where are they going? The Big Ten just signed a deal. The SEC just signed a deal. The SEC just went to ESPN and asked for more money to go nine-game schedule, and they the ESPN was like, nah, we're, we're good. good. The Big Ten just signed a TV deal, and there's all kinds of issues with that, with NBC. Are they going to get the games they were promised? Is CBS going to get the games they were promised? It appears Fox has all the rights to the conference championship game, and NBC was under the impression they were going to get a couple of the conference championship games and however long the deal was. So that's a mess. So where does Florida State? Where can they even go? That was that. That's my big thing. Like they're making a big stink, but where can they go? Because I, I, I well, and I, I think the the Pac-12's hope though, Lucky, is that things calm down long enough for bat, yeah, you can batten down the hatches and just hold yeah, on for dear life. Yeah, just hold on, sign a four or five year deal, um, and then and then we have another seismic shift. The next go around, because you're right. I think the SEC would uh, happily accept the folks from Tallahassee, just not right now. Uh, Sankey, I know public comments are much different than backdoor stuff, but there's a part of it where I think they want to do this in phases and not just straight jump to 20 teams because they don't know what 12 team play. Right. Like a lot of these groups, they they just want to see like, all right, well, what's the 12 team playoff going to look like? How are they going to treat this stuff? Because a 12... it's not. It, it's only locked in for a little bit. People are just assuming that that's going to be it, but like this is only locked in, I think, till twenty twenty six, Nick, or twenty twenty seven. It's only locked in for three or four years. I think it's a four. And they're going to have to revisit yeah. all of this. It's crazy. And why would the SEC and the Big Ten agree to automatic bids if they've got? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So it's it's a crazy time for the sport. We love to say what a sport. Um, uh-huh. And I don't think Florida State's at the top of the pecking order for the Big Ten no. or the SEC. North Carolina is number one now, for the, the SEC. Tar Heels is what is who is who is the big fish there. SEC and Network's that, headquarters are in Charlotte. They need to get in the state of North Carolina, right. and that's what will dissolve that league. There's some worrying going on here in the Derby City right now with Florida State making all this noise. Mm-hmm. But Florida State's not the one you worry about. The one you need to worry about is. North on Carolina. tobacco road. Yeah. He, hell, they would even take NC State. I, I, I mean, I think they would be in consideration um, just as quickly yeah. as they would be for Florida State. Yeah. I mean, Florida State's – a lot of people watch – they're one of the most watched teams, programs in college football. But there's like four, five, six that are more watched in the SEC. And Kentucky, or, excuse me, the SEC is already in Florida. Mm-hmm. That's true. And does – Florida want to, you know, it's kind of like why would you invite Louisville if you got Kentucky in your conference? Why would you? In, why would Florida want Florida State in there? So that's where I think a lot of that panic is coming from, though. Uh, especially now that they're finally got a coach that can help them compete for an ACC championship and get to a playoff. Now it's like, oh well, your league's in trouble now, and you're behind the eight ball. So conference realignment, man, it's fascinating, and it's also been a nice stopgap ahead of the Kentucky football season uh, a little bit later on the show we're going to be joined by Clark Brooks you know him as the SEC stat cat 
Um, he's he works for On Three. Got a great website. He's going to help us with an advanced stats preview. But before we get to all of that and talk about you know practice kicked off today for the Cats, recruiting has been in full swing at a market and got some good news today. Finally, kind of stopped the bleeding. We'll get to the bleeding in a moment. But Stephen Souls committed to Kentucky this afternoon, mid three star recruit and. Look at I don't I don't know what we are going to categorize this guy as because he's ranked as a linebacker. He plays primarily edge um, at the high school level in Pal, Tennessee, just north of Knoxville. Um, but in his commitment video, he talked a lot about wanting to be versatile, versatility, playing multiple positions, and the the whole. It all came back to the the Boogie Watson blueprint, and as we watch these highlights here on the KSR YouTube channel, you see a lot of that playmaking ability from an undersized kind of tweener at that outside linebacker position. Yeah, I think for Steven Souls, I think the measurables were a big holdup in his recruitment. I think a lot of schools were interested. At one point, Alabama even, you know how verbal offers go, but they even wasted time to give him a verbal offer. Mississippi State hosted him for – unofficial visit. Virginia Tech was involved, had a visual visit scheduled at one point. South Carolina had an official visit scheduled at one point. Kentucky had an official visit scheduled at one point. But there was a, a holdup just because of his size, because he is a tweener. Uh, for Kentucky, I think scheme-wise, this is kind of the defense he needs to play in. Yeah, He needs to be an off-ball Sam linebacker that can situationally rush the passer. But he does not need to be holding the edge and holding that point of attack often. Right. Uh, playing into the boundary. He needs to be playing more in space. So Kentucky's going to give him that opportunity, and they have a track record with a similar body type having a really good career here. Uh, Boogie Watson had 18 and a half sacks in his time at Kentucky. Didn't end up getting drafted, but was a multi-year starter and was a productive player uh, here at UK. And I think for Kentucky – I think it's a bet on they really need to improve this pass rush, Nick. So we got to get guys that could potentially bend the corner and turn the edge. That's something I think Steven Souls can potentially do, but also can play in space a little bit. And this year they're going to go into the season without really a Sam, a Sam yeah. linebacker, essentially. I mean, maybe Keaton Way plays there some. when they want to Maybe get Fearbury. They're going to play, yeah, they're gonna play yeah. Alex Safari there kind of yeah. as a hybrid. And so I think that – is something to note. I think they want to get back to that, what they had last year with Jordan Wright playing off ball. And Souls kind of fits that. And you just look at the recruiting in general. Caleb Red might be kind of in that same mold, and they're still after Brian Robinson as well. So the, they're kind of thin at edge this year, but it seems they're committed to not being like that any longer. They want to get some more bodies in there. And Souls is a little bit of a gamble here because the size – it's concerning for me. It's not necessarily the height. It's more of the mass. Like, yeah, he's too. What, Can he be two thirty five? Yeah, yeah I mean, Boogie Watson play, was, at at pro day. He was two hundred forty one pounds. Yeah. Can you can you hold up weight like that? And can you play? Can you still keep your explosiveness with at that at that weight? That's right. going to be the big question for him. We'll we'll have to wait and see if it can happen. Which, by the way, Boogie Watson's pro date. I mean, this guy, fifth in UK history in sacks, eighth in tackles for loss, thinking at 20 and a half, which isn't too far behind the – he's eighth, but he's like three and a half away from uh, being top three or something like that. Very productive. 
couldn't run in a straight line. I mean, just it could not for the life of him run in a straight line. It's one of the most bizarre. Jordan Wright's the same way. And I, I don't know, maybe it's something about that position where freak athletes on the field, great nose for the ball, great havoc, play creation, um, just bad testers. And that yeah. ultimately cost him uh, chances to play in the NFL. But that that's the other thing, too, when we had those highlights rolling. Just a lot of havoc plays, and that's – like I, I get it, you know. I get the, you know, like, hey, maybe he doesn't put on weight, but he's done enough on tape to prove that he could. Yeah. If if he gets yeah. it, if he can put that weight on, then yeah, this can work. Yeah, this he just work. has to be a pass rush specialist. He has to be able to go and win in pass rush situations because if he does play Sam and they're in zone coverage, they talk about we want length, we want to be able to clog zones. He doesn't have mm-hmm. a lot of length, right? So I mean, you're bet like I don't. He can do some different things. I like how he he shoots gaps really well and can slant and stunt. I think potentially he could be a really good off-ball blitzer because he shows mm-hmm. good timing for snap counts, good explosion, good twitch. But uh, he's he's just he's just shorter. So if he can't, you know, really make an impact as a pass rusher, it could be hard for him to find a spot. But it's true. The, but he can run and he can strike. Uh, and he has he does strike. Uh, yeah. more of a high floor, and that kind of fits their mold of what they've gotten. Mm-hmm. So far in this in this class, a lot of guys who can run and can strike, and he can do that. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Robinson earlier. Kentucky isn't doing this because they don't think they're getting Brian Robinson, or do, they don't think positions. they have a chance to flip the Smith twins. But you're right that that those guys are bigger bodied edge setters that are more comfortable in a three point stance. This allows adding a guy like Steven Sills Ladison to play more traditional 3-4 instead of this kind of hybrid sub package that you're seeing with Alex Afari a lot and just, just a lot more nickel. Um, but Souls is on board, and yes, I'm sorry, Tyler, I, I have changed End up the dangling era. fan chain. Uh, we've, we've changed up a little bit of the background. I'm still not completely podcast studio ready for the fall, but we're inching closer and closer to it. Uh, with the setup here. So we're getting there. We're getting close. Um, and unfortunately, we did get close and played horseshoes and hand grenades with Jason Patterson because, look, for the life of me, it's been two days. I finally cooled on it, but I don't know how Kentucky lost to Scott Satterfield in anything. I, I They should beat him in a, a spitting contest, let alone a freaking recruitment of a kid from Florida. He was the leading rusher in the state of Florida, and you know what? I'm I'm at least going to say that not that running backs are a dime a dozen in the, the high school ranks, but like, you know, that you can usually find somebody decent out there, right? There, there's plenty of good Should guys out the there, but it just pisses me off. Freaking Scott Satterfield, that guy. Ah, oh, it just, it's just, it just, that's the only way I put it. Just a bad taste in my mouth. Is that, that dude couldn't beat you when he was at your rival. And then he goes to Cincinnati. You start cleaning house with guys that, we're going there when Fickle was there. Teron Nichols probably be at Cincinnati if Fickle was still there, and they were fresh off that playoff and all that. But you're able to go get him, and you lose this dude? Like, it just, ugh. Ugh. You mentioned the playoff. Even though Scott Satterfield wasn't there, they can sell that, that they've been to the playoff. I think this is just a loss. Uh, straight up, they just got beat. Like, Cincinnati did a better job recruiting him than Kentucky did. I mean, it, it, that's a it's hard pill to swallow. It's so hard to understand. I just don't get it. Now, these are – that the Jason Patterson recruitment is one you need to win consistently a good majority of times, but you're not going to win them all. There's just going to be some you're going to lose. It just is how it is. And then you got to pull a couple upsets. That's how you – that's the 
recipe to having a good class at Kentucky. You're okay there because you already got Tavani Mizell, the quality recruiting win. And I look at Kentucky's running back situation, I think it's a perfect avenue to go get a quality portal guy after yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. That, or you can like even try to take some swing, big swings and flip somebody if you're having a good season so far, right? Like, yeah, I just um, think it's a, I think it's a great opportunity to go get one of the top two, three, four tailbacks in the portal uh, because you're gonna ha- you're gonna have a wide open competition. Yeah, you're probably gonna you're gonna have a new quarterback. There's just gonna be there's gonna be playing time available there. Ray Davis has two years of eligibility. I think if Ray Davis has a solid year, he's probably gonna want to move on. Yeah, he does. They haven't said that, but he does. Oh, wow. He's, he's class of 2019. He took a redshirt year at Vanderbilt because he only played four games when he busted his huh. knee up. Wow. Didn't know that. So he has two years of eligibility. By my – by luck, it's math. Which uh, – well, that's pretty good math for the most part. I, I liked that Matt said earlier. Matt is one of our favorite commenters on the KSR YouTube. He said, Adam is so far in the weeds on all this stuff that he could say anything and we would just assume it's correct. Love – <laughs> which I'm kind of like that sometimes too, uh, Matt. But um, uh, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things like it, you just, you get that bad news. It's compounded with the. It, it, yeah, the whole, I mean, it's the big picture here. Like to me, it's the big. Yeah. Like this in a isolation, is, it is what it is. Um, it's, yeah. It, and, and, and it happened at the same time as Nigel Glover going to Ohio State as what we've heard as a walk-on. And even if and, he's. Only going to be a walk on for a day or you know for a semester. You're still just like, oh man, that shirting, guy could have. Yeah, like, that guy could have been a player for us, and we lost him. And then, then they're rolling out all of the the offers and right, all that stuff, and the graphics just don't. They aren't like nothing popped and sizzled like it did at other places. And a lot of people were still mad that you didn't host some big barbecue, pool party, whatever the hell you want to call a recruiting event in the last weekend of July. So, like, all of this stuff just kind of piled up into one day, and it made for a, a big, stinky diaper. They've made a lot of strides in investing in the recruiting department and adding manpower and all of that. But whatever happened with the graphics, that that just wasn't a good look. No, yeah. Like, barely – no one's going to really notice it except the people that are in the weeds recruiting mm-hmm. – Right, but it just that you just look unorganized when that happens. Yeah, yeah. They essentially sent out a, a schedule, the poster, the poster at Kroger, <laughs> and it's the most. And here's another thing too: uh, do, do do the schedule posters matter that much? No, but also very lame poster. I mean, it's it's a we could go out and take a picture of the poster, and we would have the poster. Like it, it wasn't, you know, yeah, never lost. It's just that that was to me was the most concerning. It wasn't the Nigel Glover. It wasn't the Jason Pat. Those things are going to happen, but that on top of everything else, it was just like, what's going on? Like, why why is this happening? And mm-hmm. so that that is a bit concerning. And then they just have recruitments that have lingered a little too long here. Yeah, Patterson was one. Harley Gilmore's another one. Brian Robinson's the third. Why are these things lingering? It felt like you had that wrapped up in in the June, early July. Yeah. And the commitments never came. And now Harley Gilmore's going to Miami. Uh, sounds like to me, in the Patterson, they probably just closed better than Kentucky. Cincinnati did. And then Robinson, who, I mean, yeah. what the heck's going on? He's changing high schools. Yeah. Ohio State's trying to keep them warm. You're just playing the waiting game for him. So it's it, a lot is riding on those guys. You put a lot of time and investment, and those are mm-hmm. some higher-ranked players you need to land. 
can't afford to lose all of them because then if you lose them, then the class is in really rough shape. Especially Gilmore. Gilmore, and uh, uh, not to dismiss any of the other ones, but that one, you you pulled off a coup by simply kind of secretly getting him to reclassify and then show up for an official visit in June, right? Like you had, yeah. you had cut off everybody at the pass. You had an edge over everyone. You can't afford to let it slip away just because he wanted to decide on his birthday or whatever the hell it is. You know, like it. it it's it's later this month, right? It's his decision August twenty sixth, I believe. I believe it's Saturday. But it could twenty fifth or twenty sixth. It could get kicked back some August. more. But you got to be able to close on that one. Um, you just and even even Patterson wanted to wait until the twenty fifth. I believe he moved it up two weeks, probably because Cincinnati got in the lead and they were like, let's let's do this. Let's end, <laughs> let's end this thing right now. Right, right. And so, you know, that's that that is concerning. There's reasons to be concerned. Now, with that said. They're meeting historical trends that they've been established under Mark Stoops. Yep. And they've, they've done good things. Quarterback recruiting. Yes, which uh, next one up. Stone, Stone Saunders could be the next right. one to join them. Uh, Cutter Bowley, he was in the same class as Saunders. Uh, both were 2025 guys. Bowley reclasses, commits. Saunders, he's announcing his decision Friday night at, I want to say, 6.30 p.m. So we'll have UK Football Media Day coverage all day followed by Stone Saunders' commitment. He's a four-star quarterback that's down to Kentucky, Georgia, Michigan, Miami, and I'm missing one other. Nebraska. Nebraska is the big head-to-head one. Uh, he's got a family connection with Liam Cohen. He's put up a ton of stats already two years in. Um, and would it's one thing if you'd so – you could call it a one-off if you just got Bowley, but this was the one of the biggest – orders of business that Liam Cohen needed to address when he got to Kentucky. And you can't dismiss it as just a one-off if you get guys in back-to-back classes, blue-chip quarterbacks, right? That would be as – you would have two blue-chip quarterbacks in back-to-back years, two blue-chip commitments in four months, and that would be more than you've had in your entire tenure at the University of Kentucky from the high school ranks. I mean, it's just Drew Barker, and that's it. Liam Cohen earning that paycheck. Yeah. We talked about it immediately. The biggest thing he needs to fix is the high school QB recruiting. Looks like they have the inside track here uh, for Stone Saunders. And just need, need to close here. But obviously, just getting off the fast start in 2025 is huge. Gives you another swing at the plate. Quality quarterback recruiting win. You have the portal in your back pocket. There's a lot to like about him. He plays for a high school powerhouse up in PA. 100 touchdowns through two seasons, state championship winning quarterback as a sophomore, started as a freshman for one of the better programs in Pennsylvania. By the time he gets here, he's going to be one of the more accomplished quarterbacks in the 2025 class, Nick. Just really going to be a really nice recruiting win for Kentucky and helps them potentially avoid a slow start, which has, I think, been one of their bigger issues here the last couple cycles. Right, right. You've got him play. You, you can get him pledged early on, get him on campus this fall when other underclassmen are there, um, can really set you ahead of the game. Um, but I, before we move on, let's. I want to I take a couple questions on the YouTube channel. We're going to have Clark Brooks on here in just a moment. But um, Scott said that uh, – Losing Glover to Ohio State was more of a kick in the groin than Patterson. But here's the thing, Scott. If I had a nickel for every time an Ohio kid picked Ohio State over Kentucky, I would have a pocket full of nickels. Like that just You just lose those guys sometimes. It happens. Um, so I'm not going to get too worked up over it. Um, 
that 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 one's an easier pill to swallow because we've had to do it plenty of times before. Uh, the other question, uh, Matt had another good one. Look, if you could magically fix the recruiting concerns, how would you do it? I think I think mine would be have a non coordinator become a badass. I mean, summer uh, like like the the. I, the, the I, I, I would give the high school coaches in Kentucky a talent pill to feed their players so Kentucky starts producing better players in state. That would be number yeah. one. That is the biggest issue is just they just don't have, you know, high, high school football is good in the state, but it, does, it just doesn't produce a lot of quality SEC high-level power five players typically. Maybe so, five in a class, yeah, and that's and a so good one. Yeah. So the problem is you have to go out of state to record these wins, and then your biggest secondary area is Ohio, and you simply aren't – if Ohio State wants a kid, they're getting them, and there's not much you can do about it. It sucks. It's a monopoly, but there's no – you just can't fix it. it we, just the FTC it ain't busting up that monopoly. And right. So South Carolina has a higher recruiting ceiling. Part of the reason they have a higher recruiting ceiling is South Carolina, the state, produces more players. And then the DMV is adjacent. That's their secondary recruiting market. No one owns that. So when they have five stars like Nick Harbor and Dylan Stewart, who just committed to them, they have a better chance at getting them because they don't like beating They're, Ohio State in the DMV is not the same as beating uh, Ohio, Ohio State, State Columbus. In, in Cincinnati yeah. or in mm-hmm. Cleveland or wherever. And so that that just hurts. That that just and I think the biggest issue Kentucky's hit. They're just hitting a hard ceiling right now. And then you go in SEC country, it's just going to be hard to be, beat out in Auburn. It's going to be hard to beat out, you know, you're not beating out Georgia typically. It's going to be hard to beat out of Florida. We just saw that with Kendall Jackson. I think Kentucky did a great job recruiting Kendall Jackson. It didn't matter. He was going to Florida. And it's it's just hard. But you do hit on a good point, I think, Nick, with the staff. Yeah. I think that is a fair question. Do they have well, – they, they need another guy with some – recruiting chops for lack of a better word to go record some wins and and right now the the other guys are getting a lot of uh, mid three star sort of deals but you know Summerall was getting playmakers right like if if Avery Stewart pans out for buff like if buff just gets two or three top three two two blue chips a class right two you just need an, another guy to get a couple future starters for you is what it ultimately comes down to. How many starters can you get from not Vince Merrill, Liam Cohen, and Brad White? I think a lot of it boils down to that. I know if I need a blue chip recruiting win, the easiest place for me to feel good, look good, play good is by visiting birddogs.com. And you can be stylish in whatever you want to wear, whether it's their fashionable slacks that you can rock to work, maybe to church, or their performance shorts. The shorts are great on the golf course too. Like, and I tried them out last week. Oh, because it's it, they feel like gym shorts, but they look like you're you know their golf course uh, attire too. They've got the built-in liners and lots of pockets. That's the best part about the golf course is you got the little zipper pocket, so you can have your tees and your ball markers in there. Like that worked out fabulously for me on the golf course, and it can work out for you great in the tailgate. I maybe a few shooters in those zipper pockets. I know we're getting Bud Lights at Kroger Field, but yeah, that you don't need to do that anymore. You can get in early, get you a nine dollar beer. Get to your yeah. seat, just kind of hang out. Don't have to, to a team, don't have to be team pint. You can just get a cold beer to keep the bus smooth. You don't need to get on a roller coaster. <laughs> but you know what? Having a having a fireball shooter or two is always handy, and it's easy to slide them in those bird dog shorts. They also is got Drew performance. Fra- it, it's Drew Franklin. If he's in the chat, is he going to get the first Bud Light at Kroger Field like he did at Kentucky Proud Park? 
We need it. Need- uh, he needs to. <laughs> that now it'd be Ball State game. We're talking about a 10 a.m. or so beer Whew, getting in there early. It's an early beer, uh, but you can look good, feel good, play good at Kroger Field this fall. Go to BirdDogs.com/ksr or put in the promo code KSR at checkout. You're gonna get this awesome hat with your purchase. It's great. Look good, feel good, play dog this fall with our friends at Bird Dogs. Promo code KSR BirdDogs.com/ksr. We're bringing in our pal. Clark Brooks, the SEC Stat Cat. If you've never been to secstatcat.com and you like to use advanced stats when handicapping your teams, you got to do it. You've been completely missing out. Clark, he knows it all. And here, here's the thing. I wanted to bring you in, Clark, because I think we've had like three posts about these stark differences in Liam Cohen and Rich Scangarello. And the easy ones from a raw statistical purpose are – Third down offense and red zone touchdown scoring percentage. But the advanced stats tell more of a story than just that. So I I was hoping to have you on to kind of help fill in the blanks where maybe just those two raw numbers don't tell the complete the picture for us. Oh, sure. Well, thank you, Adam and Nick, for having me. But of course, you know, it all starts on first down. You want to focus on third down because it is the do or die down. Kentucky went from being the most successful first down offense in 2021 to dead last. So that is just inherently setting themselves up for failure. The best third down offense is an offense that can avoid third downs the best. It's that simple. I look at that is a very good way. You can't that's well. And and here's the thing, Clark advanced stats tell the story of Mark Stoops saying, can't get behind the chains, right? Like that sounds like coach speak, but it is true. Um, what what when you were watching Rich Scangarello last year, Luckett was pulling out his hair on these rapid reactions. What was the most infuriating part of his offense that you think Cohen can remedy in twenty twenty three? I think it's just finding true down to down staples. That sounds really simple, but it's just finding things that you're good at and honing in on them. Last year, outside of Vanderbilt, no SEC offense dedicated a lower play share to their top concepts than Kentucky week in and week out. It was consistently interchange or just consistently different things than what you saw the previous week. Of course, he tried to keep defenders in the dark, but at the same time, he kept his own players in the dark because they had to basically learn how to do these intricate double motion types of plays, you know, very clever design, very crafty designs. But at the same time, you're asking a lot from your players on a week to week basis. And obviously it just didn't work out on the bottom line. Yeah, you mentioned that efficiency, Clark. Back when Cohen was here in 2021, Kentucky was one of the most efficient offenses in college football per success rate metric, which is pretty much staying ahead of this, staying ahead of the chains, down by down. Mm-hmm. But they had a cheat code with Chris Rodriguez and a great run blocking offensive line. How sustainable do you think that is going moving to next year when maybe you don't have that? So that's very concerning. No doubt about it. I have been a big caper for Chris Rodriguez in case for the folks at home do not know. ACC StatCat, you know, we chart every offensive snap since 2018. Only one SEC running back that has gotten at least 60 carries in the season has averaged over 3.9 yards after contact. Chris Rodriguez, who did it four times. I have a statistic called adjusted gumption rate that tracks on average if you're hitting the backfield how does that turn into a positive game? Chris Rodriguez has a clip over 50% three straight years. He's a true eraser. He moves the pile. And oh, yeah, he just led the conference in broken tackle rate this past season. So when you're looking at the team, when you're taking away all those other carries, when it's either right, 
or um, anyone else, Rose, or not Rose, but uh, Smoke, anyone else, 4.1 yards per carry, only a 2.5 yak, a 23% broken tackle rate, which, which is almost exactly half of Chris Rodriguez's individual clip. So when you're looking at Ray Davis, the new guy in town, um, the, the, these stable metrics are things I like to look forward to. No matter what type of blocking you are given, can you be relied on to move the pile, make somebody miss, and get yardage? Well, Mr. Davis, unfortunately, was a bang average SEC running back in the stable metrics. So that's yards after contact, broken tackle rate, and adjusted gumption rate. So even though, yes, he was dealt a really crappy hand playing behind that offensive line, um, it could be a little bit of what he could be expecting if the line at Kentucky does not come. So we also know how Chris Rodriguez was also a major barometer on the play-action pass game. He really did help things on the uh, on the back end come open. But, of course, studies have shown even if you cannot run the ball effectively, play-action should work. And, of course, that was one of the major things that I think – Cohen did compared to Scangrello to help our deep passing game was utilize more play actions on those deep passing concepts. And now you've got a new quarterback under center who um, is much more proven than the last guy when he showed up to Lexington, even though they're they're, like, we've got the injury prone, injury prone. Everybody's worried about Devin Leary staying healthy, but when healthy, He's been pretty darn good. What what is what do you think is the best part of Devin Leary's game that really sets him apart from his predecessor? Accuracy. And that matters when your job is throwing the football. So um, I just did an impact study, which looked at the basically the top 40 returning passers against their hardest opponents. For Leary, of course, this past season wasn't too great, but um, consistently strong, contested tight window accuracy consistently strong mid-range accuracy. Now, obviously, when you have a hurt shoulder or hurt upper body, your deep accuracy is going to be a little bit sour. But those are two things that were consistently great. And why do I bring that up? Because when you take out uncatchable targets and you look at Mr. Dane Key, only one other SEC last year turned in a better contested catch rate and success rate. So, yes, you'd like to think that he can absolutely help elevate whether it is taking advantage of a tight window short in that bang-bang play right ahead of the sticks or throwing someone open beyond the sticks for a key completion. Man, I I didn't know Dan Key was kicking that kind of ass. Yeah, that is sexy. sexy? Which which I got to say, your your performance at SEC Media Days, it was uh, a breakthrough performance. We had uh, Sam Pittman thinking you were Garth Brooks. Uh, we had Josh Heupel raising his eyebrows at you, and then uh, you you were on with our guy Andy Sable. So, Corey, you really you really been pitching your fastball as of late, and and I appreciate it. Um, I do because man, you're freaking killing it right now, dude. Well, I so, appreciate that. I appreciate could, the kind words. I really do. I really do. And Clark, just big picture here. Cohen's only one year work. We've seen Brad White for longer. Yeah. For a guy that charts all these games and goes through the numbers, how? How would you just rate like the coordinator combo here? In um, as now, far as offensive defensive, um, absolutely top four, if not top three. Um, obviously, when you have someone like Nick Saban, he's you know he's almost a de facto um, right. defensive coordinator for Alabama. You know, though Tommy Reese, jury's out on him, but you know it looks right. like he has a lot to prove. But like just still, um, just because of how consistent Kentucky has been, I mean, you know, there are Ben don't break defense. They're one of the few SEC defenses in league play each of the last two seasons who have a higher 
placement in overall ranking in first down touchdown rate allowed than success rate allowed. So that means they might not be as strong on a down-to-down basis, but they're still very, very good at getting defenses off the field and preventing conversions. But of course, that's the name of the game. And this past season, only the national champions had a better first down touchdown rate allowed than our Kentucky Wildcats. So, you know, we like to have a little bit more defensive backs on the field, a little bit lighter boxes. When you have those big bodies like Deion Walker, one of my top five SEC Franks ahead of this season, 6'6", 345, who you can line up in the three technique, nose, and at the edge, depending on the situation, where he can just occupy and open up things on the back end. Well, um, having on having the um, investment on the back end has led to Kentucky being consistently strong in generating pass havoc. And that has led to turnover-worthy plays, which, of course, a lot of defenses are kind of setting themselves up for. So even though the big concern with this team has not has been, you know, kind of not getting the job done in terms of sacks, they were bottom three in sack rate in SEC play against SEC defenses this past season. Yeah. But they were top four in pressures, and that led to the top turnover-worthy play rate, which led to, of course, a top three turnover rate as well so the name of the game might not be winning every down but it's just living to fight a advantageous situation and set yourself up to create takeaways and of course keep points off the board in the process i I just appreciate clark that explanation because like i i've heard you know um like our our guy van house who's a former wildcat that breaks in film on twitter talk about how you know, sacks are kind of lucky, and I'm like, okay, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And Brad White talks about, you know, you, it's not always about sacks. It's about affecting the quarterback, and and that is a way to illustrate with advanced stats how um, life's not always about sacks. It's about making the quarterback make mistakes by putting pressure on him in the pocket, and that's what Kentucky is actively trying to do this fall. That's a huge point of emphasis for the Cats uh, with their experience front seven in 2023. Absolutely. I mean, there are downsides to Havoc. Think um, Bo Pelini at LSU most recently. They had amazing (laughs) Havoc numbers, but at the same time, they're allowing explosive plays willy-nilly. And one thing, too, pay attention with Kentucky this upcoming season. You know, we are usually a bend-don't-break defense, sit back, One element that has somewhat manipulated them the past two seasons has been at snap motion. Now, this past week, I did a motion study within the SEC across the most recent seasons, and basically I determined one of the best ways to manipulate the defense and help create more explosives on the back end is have at snap motions, either with jet or orbit, to get that eye candy in the backfield and send those deep routes. Well, back-to-back years, Kentucky has had a bottom three yards per play allowed um, against those types of plays, um, even though in 2021 they didn't necessarily defend these types of plays on a down-to-down basis, but only Texas A&M this past, de- uh, this past season in SEC play saw more at-snap motion snaps against. So that is really concerning considering, you know, you like to think that this defense does, does, does do a fairly good job capping plays, but it seems to be a vulnerability just based on how they do react to certain types of actions. So that's one thing to just move, you know, just keep in the back of your mind, but still again, very, very nice preventing things down to down against aerial attacks. Of course, when you don't have as many people in the box, you do invite the run. So the run stuff's not as great tackle for a loss, not so great, but still as per as cost as presently constituted is for me to say um, few defenses, Defensive schemes are better set up to stop the modern attack that Kentucky's moving forward within this conference. 
Well, can, I just to, yeah. I, I, I was just gonna say I love that Kentucky's what they struggle with most defensively is just the the stuff you do in Pee Wee football. You know, like yeah. put them in motion, get the defense all out of whack. Like they can be so great at everything, but the one weakness is just running little jet sweep or orbit motion. <laughs> Correct. I mean, it's hard not to think of that one. It's hard not to think of that one Florida game a couple of years ago where they just iced that game on that little jet sweep and short yardage situation. But that's a oh, yeah, perfect example. 2019. Don't remind Sorry. me. Not the one Don't where, remind we me, Carl. Where, where they forgot to cover people. Not that year. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. But thanks. Thank, thanks, Carr. Thank you. <laughs> I what, was what, on the field for that. I had no pleasure to see that either, man. That Bunchy Stallings holding call. I mean, come on. That uh, don't give me yeah. stuff. Oh. But um, I, what yeah, what, can, just, what what you got though? Yeah, I just wanted to shift Wait, over to offense here, Clark. Um, Kentucky Cohen's first. They were just ahead of the chains all the time. But if they can't do that this year, and there's a lot of thought that the passing game might be what needs to carry the offense. But the passing game that year wasn't necessarily the most explosive. It was very much a slot-driven passing game with Wondell Robinson and Josh Ali just in the intermediate game. But from what you've seen from Leary and what you kind of studied from Leary, can he provide maybe – can Kentucky be more of of an explosive-type passing game where they can get those big chunks and make everything easier? Or is it going to be just, do you think, just precision-based, intermediate, and try to dink and dunk their way down the field? So in my impact study, he had multiple attempts travel beyond 50 yards downfield. So he can stretch it. He can do it. But I think the down-to-down emphasis, like you said, I think it's going to be on stuff like stick, all curls, spacing patterns. Of course, they riddled Kentucky's passing script in 2021 as they had that down-to-down consistency. But at the same time, they had a lot more success with things like this. Yankee patterns, which are deep crosses with an overtop post. You're really trying right. to stress safeties. So if you're using things like play action, like we know Stoops wants to have a healthier marriage between run and pass. Um, when yep. Cohen was here last, a 44% first down pass rate this past season, that dropped 10, 10 percentage yeah. points um, to where they only passed the ball um on a third of their pass of their of their tries in meaningful minutes which of course is not a healthy marriage it is very abusive and as we saw in sec play it really you know battered and bruised this offense for lack of a better word so yes being a little bit more um balanced in the mike leach sense where you're trying to have a little bit more usage between certain looks as and getting the ball into certain people's hands as opposed to true 50 50 run pass but at the same time you do not want to skew that far into that extreme like Scangrello found himself in. Of course, down in distance, or not down in distance, but certain game situations kind of influenced him. He was a little bit more risk-adverse in that sense. But still, quick to remind you, when Cohen was here in 2021, we went freaking eight weeks without completing a deep pass pattern from basically the Florida game into the Mississippi State game. So that's one thing to keep an eye on, but I still think viability – because of, of arguably the best receiving <laughs> room in in uh, in school history, that there is going to be chances to take chances downfield. Now, obviously, the cupcakes—they're probably going to see a little bit more verticality than the SEC schedule, but still, on a talent basis, on a capability basis, I absolutely think that Kentucky is going to have a very healthy and uh, visible deep passing game across this season. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Corp Brooks from SEC StatCat. You can visit it at secstatcat.com, sec underscore statcat on Twitter. A great follow. Um, I can't always 
know what all of these advanced stats mean. But do you have one? Do you have one in particular where you're like, okay, I, I know this is a very simple-minded thing, but it's like if they're good at X, then I, I think this team has a leg up in a matchup. Like if the, if this sort of matchup goes a certain way, is there one advanced stat that Clark's like? You got this. This is the this is the fountain of youth, the elixir of college football wins. Now um, we deal with evolving sample sizes week to week in this game, but over the last half decade, nothing has had a higher correlation to victory than winning the explosive play battle. We kind of just talked about it. Well, the easiest way to get a twenty-plus yard pass is to throw beyond 20 yards downfield. So um, more than winning the middle eight, more than winning the turnover battle, more than rushing for more than your opponent, uh, those things <laughs> have much less weight than winning the explosive play battle because these big plays have a high, just think about it, it's common sense. If you gain a 40-yard pass, you're going to likely be in a scoring opportunity. And of course, mm-hmm. if you're able to cap drive with points as opposed to nothing, that's going to help you in the long run and help you snatch victory. So yes, I always look at a team's ability to snatch explosive gains so a recent example has been arkansas down to down they've been kind of wonky they've been kind of iffy but they've been consistently good getting explosive both by land and by uh air so um they are certainly a team to look at this season with kj jefferson um being under the radar with a new offensive coordinator but yes absolutely explosive plays and the ability to capture them are certainly things that pop off the stat sheet for me and that's why you can get excited, I think, about Kentucky because of the potential of the yeah. passing game, because of the MO of the defense. If those, so, if that if that combines, you're going to have a chance to win a lot of ball games. And, and mm-hmm. that's one thing Rich Kangaroo got right. It's easier to score from 40 yards away than from the red zone. Am I right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. You don't want to get. Right. You don't want to. You don't want to stall inside that 20 yard line 20 times a season. This is not good. <laughs> Can't get too close to that. You, gotta, you just got to get in the play. Got to get the plays in faster. We just we don't we wait too long to get the plays in. Oh man, go oh, man, those West Coast, those West Coast play calls, man. They're, I mean. Everyone has heard a little like a paragraph. I'm like, I mean, really, they are. When you have those motion controls, those multiple motion controls, like he had, the, I like to say it's more of an intricate offense more than a complex offense because what they're really doing in our basic plays, they're just window dressing it in very, uh, let's just say, arduous ways. Yeah, very detailed words. That's why Mike McDaniel is getting delay of games in the NFL playoffs on third and well, one. Well, that or yeah. he's vaping. He might be a little spacey. That, that might be a little bit TBD <laughs> why he was actually a little slow to get those in, but <laughs> it could be both. Well, well, Clark, we appreciate you joining us today on 11 Personnel. Hopefully we'll have you on a few more times throughout this Kentucky football season. Follow him at the SEC StatCat. He's also grading players every week, four on three. So uh, he's he's basically our pro football focus. So Clark Brooks, he's one of the best in the biz. Appreciate you joining us today on 11 Personnel. Thanks, Clark. Nick Adam, you guys have a good one. You too, Clark. That was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I love Clark's got some juice, man. He's got some he juice. Yeah, I need I need some of that juice hooked up to me. It's better than the four cups of what? coffee we drink in the upstairs at Kroger Field. You created some juice online, and uh, for our weekly KSR Plus plug, you need to join right now for a dollar <laughs> just to go to the South Carolina message board and see them j- just taking our guy here to the absolute woodshed. In Columbia, South Carolina. 
after this week, Nick, I, I think our dream of having Shane Beamer on here is over. You've pretty much killed that. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I called him a sunglass-wearing podcaster, and then I mean, the South Carolina you, you, Gamecock Central message board caught it, and then they, I, I don't know how many pages were up to like it of just people bashing me, <laughs> um, but it, it was at least two and a half last I saw. Who would have thought that we would need the South Carolina voice of reason on this show to be Adam Luckett? <laughs> Who would have thought? Uh, to bond that bridge, so to speak, would be me between me, Ralph, Shane, and Shane Beaver. Who, oh, who would have thunk it? I, I do just want to remind South Carolina fans, too, that Kentucky's had as many 10-win seasons as 2013 as South Carolina has wins over Kentucky. So before they get all chesty over their five-star recruiting wins, uh, enjoy Spencer have... Rattler as your quarterback. All right, have fun with yep. that this fall. Kentucky plays at noon. We might just have to go live on the YouTube channel for a South Carolina North Carolina watch party. Oh man, and I'm I'm hammering the under season <laughs> win total. And I'm going to celebrate like I catch that ticket if they lose to Drake May. So um, uh, it, it's also the weird part about getting in. You, you, it, it's one thing to have Tennessee fans in your mentions when you got South Carolina fans that. Uh, you know, they use some odd Well, this is the worst time to get them because this, this is their peak season. Oh, yeah. They're, they're MVPs right now, and you've got a lot of fans yeah. like, um, you know. Like, I, I had the cock enthusiast in my mentions today, <laughs> you know, and a, a Gamecock fan. Uh, they, 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 they really are weird with their turn of phrase. They're a weird bunch. But you I know what? They, they're so easy to pick on. They're so easy to get riled up. Um, I, I got reported on my own message board by a South Carolina Gamecock fans. So thank you love, so much. Thank you I so much. I love this budding rivalry, though, building with Kentucky, South Carolina. It is it is fun. Oh, I went on a South Carolina podcast and called their fans entitled. So I got no <laughs> I got no qualms uh, with, with with poking that fire, poking that bear. Uh, bring it on, South Carolina fans. Come on. Game's, game's a long time away. But, yeah, this budding rivalry just – and the, the, the July is when it's best because both fan bases just taking swings at each other. You have to love it. And do I just got away from Artie and McGee because that's when the Stoop stuff came out last summer. Right, right. Oh, so that's going to start up again, those interviews, right? They air sometime this month. Now, well, we're in August now. I believe next week is when they air. Nice. So maybe we'll get – something's going to happen. we got we're got to get something out of one of them at least to stoke the flames. Oh, man. Uh, let's hope so. Let's hope so. But practice has started. It kicked off today. Helmets only. Uh, the first two days, we're going to get shells Friday and Saturday. UK Football Media Day begins at 10 a.m. Friday morning with press conferences from the head coach and the coordinators, followed by interviews on the field. Uh, if you got any ideas for us, me and Lucky, we're going to be walking around with Peek in the camera. If you got any ideas, send them our way. Put them on KSR+. Plus. Well, we're, we're open to suggestions. We're open to suggestions. And then... Saturday, it's fan day with an open practice beginning at 11. The gates open an hour early. Uh, when you can go out there and check out a full open practice, it's just going to be shells. But uh, they'll have quite a bit of stuff already put in. Uh, I'm sure they'll have situational work and stuff like that um, baked into that uh, period, some 11 on 11. So if you haven't get, gotten to see Devin Leary throw in person, it'll be worth your while. And it's probably the only time you're going to get to see him before he takes the field against Ball State 31 days from today. It's August 2nd, kickoff September 2nd. The buzz is palpable. I, can, I can't wait. It, it, it'll it be football time in the bluegrass before you know it. Going to be a busy summer. Football is here. We got realignment going on. Recruiting is not slowing down. Uh, it's, it's a great time. 
And we definitely didn't see the cock enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but this has been a fun show. Big shout out to Cork Books for following along. Yes. And if you are following him on Twitter, I can't always, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm being honest. I can't comprehend all of his stats on the website, but he does a good job explaining them on Twitter. Um, if you need help, too, he's always quick to reach out. And Clark goes back and watches games, and he'll grade them, and he kind of tweets it out during his process. Mm-hmm. And you'll get to see like what teams do well, what concepts did they perform well, and he kind of puts he'll have a success rate metric and a yards per play, so you can kind of loosely see what worked and what didn't uh, per se. And his website's got all kinds of stuff. I mean, you could spend hours on that. Yeah, you really going can. Through, um, some advanced stats for players and and the scheme stuff, kind of the concepts is really kind of cool. A lot of cool stuff he's doing over there. So yeah, definitely check him out. And Clark, we didn't really mention this, Nick, but he's kind of the brains around the transfer ranking. Yeah, that's true. Stuff, yeah. and he was one of the guys responsible for Devin Leary being, I think, the number two quarterback in the portal behind Sam Hartman. So, yeah, uh, big shout out to Corey for being here. Big shout out to Monticello Bank, the presenting sponsor of Eleven Personnel. One hundred twenty-eight years of service, like it. I mean, they're doing something right. You're doing something right by watching us on the KSR. And Nick hit mute, but he's right here with us. I just he had a great. It's well. How are we gonna go Krovering if you can't oh, do it? Oh <laughs> man, Matt almost got his wish to come true. I pulled my mic, <laughs> unplugged it. He almost had his wish come true. I almost couldn't say our sign off. Go Cats and go Krovering. <laughs>